we've got this morning is uh, definitely very, very important. So I know that uh, a few of you might be struggling with being tired, getting back to your first week at school, except if you go to Lake, uh, then you're just used to going to school just because. <laughs> but, um, but really, really this morning, I really want you guys to take this stuff to heart. Um, you know, after doing last week's message, um, I mean, did it help you guys talking about prayer like we did last week? I really hope that it did. I really hope that you took these things and you really ran with it. It's very, very easy for us to come to church on a Sunday and on a Wednesday and hear these things and leave and not do anything with it. And this is part of our problem. And it's something that you have to be very intentional with. Because if you're not willing to be intentional, you're never going to fight against it. And you're just going to be going with the rest of everybody else. You're going to go with the flow and you're going to just keep struggling. Um, You have to be very, very intentional about it. And so that means you're going to have to want to really walk with the Lord. I mean, you're really going to have to want it. It's going to have to be a deep-seated need that you desire to have between you and God. Um, I still, you know, this past week, it was a struggle for me to work these things out. They were more on my mind. I was more diligent about my prayer life, but I still felt the struggle. I still felt that things were very, very difficult, pressing against my attention, uh, my time. Um, And so this is just a battle that you've got to face. So we've really got to get this stuff down. If we're going to be people that God is going to look at us and say, well done, you've got to be a person of prayer. You have to be. You have to be. If you are not a person of prayer, you're not going to be thinking about the things of God at all. You won't. Um, And that's just the way it is. And so if you are willing to stop and to talk with God and have a real relationship with him on a daily basis, then you'll be thinking about God more throughout the day. You'll be thinking more about his word. You'll be thinking more about your purpose. You'll just be thinking more godly because you're spending more time with him. That's why last week I used the illustration of how the Bible says that God is a consuming fire. And when it comes to fire, you get close to it and you will get burnt and it will burn everything on you. And that's what happens with God. You get close to God and he will burn you. And that burn can be good or it can be bad, right? And so hopefully it can be a a good thing for you. All right, so last week we talked about learning to pray. And what's the biggest takeaway for some of you guys with the whole topic of learning to pray? Yeah, anybody else need a study sheet? Only our leader. That's it? <laughs> you got three, Jack. What did you do? Did you eat one? <laughs> we asked if anyone needed a study sheet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did ask a question, but then there was another question, so I wasn't sure which one you're answering. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Now we're on the same page. So, Jack, what was your takeaway from last week? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely true because, I mean, there's a lot of theories about Christianity, but until you actually go and you do it, you won't learn anything about it. Yeah. Noah. That, I mean, there's never a wrong prayer. There's not like, if you're just truly praying from your heart, you're not going to say something wrong. Yeah. And that sometimes you, I know that person in the past that I've been, like, overwhelmed, thinking, like, well, my prayer doesn't sound like Pastor Rory's prayer, Pastor Rory's prayer. I'm like, and then I think about, like, well, duh, he's been praying for 40 years and mm-hmm. you know it's just his relationship is stronger and so to get a better prayer life and to get better at praying then you need to just pray and just I mean just do it what you was saying yeah to, you said pray. yeah you do absolutely anybody else yeah the length of the prayer doesn't really matter as much as mm-hmm. how, like valuable it is yeah absolutely that's so important because I think 
you know, we see different things even within history, like we mentioned even last week about how, you know, Christians would often pray for two, three, four hours. That would be unbelievable to be able to do something like that. It takes an incredible amount of discipline to do that. But that's not realistic for us that are just starting off. I mean, even if you just pray more this week than what you did last week, it doesn't matter the length, but you just do it because you really want to do it and you're being honest with God. That's where you start. That's where you start. And then before you know it, you're going to find that you're going to be praying throughout the day all the time. Good. Just like how we went over um, the disciples when they heard Jesus pray, they're just like, teach me how to pray. And how like, You would think that they know how to pray. I mean, they're his disciples and they've grown up yeah. in the church. And I think towards like a lot of us growing up in the church, you know, we kind of just assume and we know how to pray, but we have yeah. no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's true. Good, good, good. Okay. All right. So this morning we're going to be talking about praying in secret. And, um, and this is a very interesting one. So it's going to cause us to really think and think a little bit differently. Go to Matthew chapter 6. And um, I have it printed out on your guys' study sheet, but go there as well. I want you to go there, Matthew chapter 6. And then we'll go through this just briefly, and then we'll read some of the insights in prayer. And Which, by the way, these insights about prayer that I have on your guys' study sheet uh, from last week, this week, and I think next week as well. Um, it's from a book that I had read on prayer. Um, and, uh, and I forget the name of the book right now, but if you want to know more information about it, I can give it to you. Um, there's some things in the book that I don't agree with, but about 80% of it I really, really, really like. It's a guy that comes from a more charismatic Pentecostal background. And so there's some things in there that I'm like, eh, it's getting a little bit too out there. But by and large, a lot of the stuff that he talks about is really, really good. All right, so Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we'll start off here um, talking about in... Um, uh, we'll just do verse 1 and we'll get into verse 5. All right, so Jesus is speaking here and he says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Now your alms could be the things that you offer. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. Now, this is just dealing with offerings. But the whole point here is that, you know, if you do something nice for someone, like have you ever done something nice for someone, very selfless, and you don't say a word about it to anybody? That is very difficult to do. Like, when we do something nice for someone, we want other people to know about it. That completely goes against our human nature, our sinful nature. And so Jesus is saying the same thing here about what they're offering. Could be offering their time, could be offering their talents, could be offering their money. Whatever it is, with these guys, they were sounding a trumpet before throwing in, you know, 500 bucks into the offering. You know what I mean? Like, it would be ridiculous. Everybody, look at me. I'm about to write a check for $5,000, and I'm going to put it into the offering plate because I love God. (laughs) Ridiculous. But there's a lot of people in Christianity that that's what they do. They flaunt their Christianity. And because they flaunt their Christianity about how godly they are and how holy they are and how much they devote all this to God, then it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. God isn't blessed by that at all because it just ruins it. And so in the same line of thinking, look at verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the the corners of the streets, 
that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father, to, to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And then he continues on there talking about using not vain repetitions. And so this whole concept of praying in secret, this is very, very important. You know, because there are times where I kind of struggle with this. Like, you know, if I ask you guys, you know, what can I be praying for? I do that occasionally with a lot of you, and especially the guys. And I'll put something out there and say, hey, how can I be praying for you? And so um, I take that and I'm serious about it and I write it down. And, um, and I know I can do a better job praying for those things, but I write it down because I know if I don't, I'm going to forget about it. And then I pray for those things. And there are some times that I'll follow back up with you and I'll say, hey, how are you doing with that? I've been praying for you. And I hesitate sometimes because of this. Because I said I was going to be praying for you. I am going to be praying for you. And sometimes I feel in myself that I have to tell you that I'm praying for you because somehow that, that will make you realize that I care for you, which is true. But there's also a little bit of selfishness there. There is. And so sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't follow back up with you guys because I don't want to be selfish about it. I told you I was going to be praying for you. I am going to be praying for you. But that's how we are sometimes. And it's wrong. It's wrong. And so... When it comes to God, he's in secret. And can you imagine, just God for a second, when it comes to the things that we do, like I, I picture God because, you know, he's up on his throne and he can see everything and he can see all the hearts of men and he can see all of existence and he's standing there and he sees someone do something nice for somebody else, completely anonymous. This person never says a word about anything. This person has no idea how much of a blessing it was to them and they never know for the rest of their lives of how much that person blessed this other person. How do you think that makes God feel? Why? Why does that bless God's heart? Think about that for a second. Why would that bless God's heart? It's pure. Yeah, the motives. They didn't do it for any other reason except that they loved God and they loved that person. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes, too, um, we do something for someone else. We do it for God. We, don't, we take ourselves out of the equation. And when that person looks at the blessing they receive, they can't look at another person as being the person that blessed them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, something great happens to you, and you're like, oh, like, Megan did something really great for me. Like, she totally blessed me. But really, it was us doing that for God. So God was actually blessing them through us. So it takes us out of that middle, and God can receive the glory. Yeah. Absolutely. And see, there are things like looking back on that I've, I've uh, like there's, there's one circumstance that I know of that I was made aware of because the, the situation unfolded and the hand was forced. So let me give you an example because it's already out in the open and people do know about it. But it was just something that was, it, it helped me when I was thinking about this. So when my dad was a senior pastor at Calvary Bible Church, there were several guys that were on staff. Um, and this was after the church had split and, um, uh, and there was another round of, of guys that he, he, my dad was rebuilding the church and, and more guys were in there. And anyway, there's this one guy and this, this one guy, and I've told you the story about him before, but he was the one that ended up stabbing my dad in the back. My dad was forced to resign. 
um, and then, you know, left. Okay, so this guy, I mean, talk about someone who I can have a very, very low opinion about on any given day, and it's very easy for me to be bitter and angry against this person. Well, in the course of how things unfolded, I had found out later, my dad as a senior pastor was very, very benevolent. He was a giver, and he gave all the time. And he knew that this guy who stabbed my dad in the back, he knew that his family was struggling financially. He knew that there were certain things that they needed, like certain car repairs. They couldn't buy their groceries. There were certain things that he just knew about. And so he would do things. And this guy had no idea that it was my dad. And to this day, I don't think he knows that my dad had done those things. But through the course of stuff within my family and some of our close circle of people, I had found out that my dad was doing this without this guy's knowledge. And here, this guy ended up being the guy that ended up stabbing my dad in the back and basically, you know, causing my dad to resign and do all this stuff. And I think about that and I'm like, how many times has my dad done that? That he just did something in order to bless someone. And he, just because, just because he, he had the ability to do it and he was praying about it and God moved him in his heart to do something about it. I'm like, that's incredible. And I had no idea about it. And how many people have abused my father over the years in ministry? And my dad has done nothing but just gave and gave and gave and gave and gave and gave and gave. And I'm like, that is so like Jesus Christ. I don't know anyone else that has given more, not only with his life, but with his energy and his time and with his prayers. Like, we don't know everything that Jesus prayed while he was on the earth. We know he prayed a lot, but we don't know what he prayed about. Do you even think for a moment that while he was walking the earth, that because he knows everything, that while he was praying, that he could have prayed for you specifically by name? We don't know. He knows all of time. I mean, we know he's prayed for you specifically by name at this point because he's in heaven and he prays for all of us anyway. But I'm thinking about in his ministry, on the nights where, and we're going to look at a couple passages, where he was up all night praying. How many people do you think he was praying for? And how many times did he stay up all night to pray? I don't know. But is it possible that he could have been praying not only for the people immediately around him and in Jerusalem and by name everyone in the world at that time, but he could have been praying forward into the future about you and your family and the things that would unfold? We have no idea. We have no idea. So there are certain things that are just a blessing to God's heart that when you keep it between you and God alone and no one else knows about it, I mean, God is moved. He is moved in his heart that you would do something like that, that you would take the intentionality between you and him to keep it just between you and him to be praying for another person, and that person has no idea that you're even praying for them or that you're spending that time with them, with them in prayer, with God. So I think that's absolutely fascinating. Okay. All right, so let's take a look at some of these insights. <clears throat> I'll read through this. We'll look at a couple passages, and then we'll pray together before we leave. All right, it was Jesus' habit to withdraw into a solitary place to pray. He needed the fenced spaces of silence. Why does God insist upon the inner chamber and the closed door? The first reason is that the first quality God requires in prayer is reality. Hypocrites never pray in secret very important statement right there prayers are a pretense prayers that are pretense require an audience they are intended to be heard of men and they have their reward in skill of phrasing a show of earnestness and a reputation for piety or piety these things do not count with god 
They cannot live in his presence. Prayer is between the soul and God alone. In private prayer, the soul stands naked and alone in the presence of God. Thought is personal. Prayer is original. Motive is challenged. Corporate prayer gives a spirit of fellowship. Private prayer disciplines personality. Who can measure the influence of an hour a day spent alone with God? The secret place of prayer should be a part of the daily life, a part of the daily dwelling place. Some place must be found that shall be a trysting place with God. And trysting, we don't use that term anymore, but it just means a place that you meet someone that you love in order to spend time with them. So it should be a trysting place with God. A hungry heart will find a way. In the open air or in some secluded corner, some inner sanctuary will be found. If this advantage is impossible, the soul must make an open space into which it can withdraw, even in the presence of others, and be alone with God. But the inner chamber is an unspeakable boon. Happily, God wills that men should pray everywhere, but the place of his glory is in the solitudes, where he hides us in the cleft of the rock and talks with man face to face as a man talketh with his friend. Attention is an act of the will. Concentration is sustained attention upon a specific object. The will can be disciplined and the power of concentration developed. By patience, the soul is one, and by discipline, the mind is trained. God is in secret. Prayer in the secret place unvaryingly demands that every faculty should be at its best. I never take any book but the Bible into the secret place. It is my prayer book. The secret place is the place of intercession. That is the place where we can talk freely to God about other people, the family, the church, the business, the friendships, the state, the world, all are subjects of earnest and believing private prayer. Keep a prayer list of subjects for intercession and always have a list of people for whom you pray. It is not necessary to tell anyone else the things you tell God. The Father is in secret. He sees in secret. He hears in secret. Leave it to him to make it known. What do you think about that? Yep. Any comments from you guys about that? Yeah. Um, there was a movie that came out a while ago called War Room. Yes. And it reminded me a lot of that because like, she had her prayer closet. And I went and I saw Priscilla Schreier talk yesterday. Yeah. And she showed a picture of a woman's house in Alabama that actually got destroyed by a tornado. Mm. But the part, there, there was only like one corner that was left up in her house and it was her prayer closet. Yeah. And she said like, this was just kind of like, um, a physical picture of like how, what prayer does for your life like it's like your fortification yeah and she kind of talked about that a little bit and how whenever she was a kid her mom would drag them all three into the closet and have them all pray in the prayer closet and just like bring it all to god and i thought that was really cool. yeah absolutely any other thoughts that's good okay the big thing for me is this when i read stuff like that <clears throat> The real test of your relationship with God is your prayer life. Your personal, solitary prayer life. Let me give you a great example. Let's say one of you, give me a guy, a volunteer. Uh, let's not Andy. We'll do, we'll do Timmy. Let's not do Andy. We'll do Timmy. All right. What if Timmy started walking around and said, I'm married to Megan Winnicka? <laughs> Would that be weird? Yes. Okay. 
Why would it be weird? Yes, I am. Yes. Why else would it be weird? I don't want to go to jail. Why else would it be weird? It's not the norm. Okay, but why doesn't it not make sense? How do you know someone's married to another person? Okay, you got rings, but it's so much more than a ring. <laughs> it's more than a piece of paper. Brandon. Together. You can see the relationship. Like, what if Timmy just walked into my house saying, Honey, I'm home. <laughs> How weird would that be? How weird would that be? Would it be weird? Okay, Christian, you're married to God. Is it weird? Because you're never home? You don't actually have a relationship with him? You see what I'm talking about here? Like, you know the relationship because you see it. You see it. Does God ever see you? Are you ever home with him? I mean, how far is a marriage relationship going to go if the husband or wife are never home? Nowhere. So how do you even know if you're married? I mean, eventually the marriage is going to just completely fall apart and it's not going to exist anymore. Now, thankfully with God, he doesn't do that because he never gives up on us. But how many of us treat God that way? We're never home. We're never home. We never spend time with him. What in the world? Why? This is unbelievable. This is why we live in the most crazy, deceitful time in human history when it comes to the church. We are people that say we love God. We pray this and we love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Baloney. We don't. How? How can you love God when you never spend time with him? It's impossible. It is impossible. And I say it this way because we need to wake the stinking up. Because we're not spending time with God. We're not opening up his word. We're not talking to him. He's not talking to us. We're doing nothing for him. We're doing everything for ourselves. What are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we here? You see what I mean? Like we are a sham. We are ashamed of the Lord. And it kills me. Because I'm in it too. Nope, God, I'm too busy. Can't spend time with you. And it rips his heart up. And sometimes I feel like the pain that we cause God now that we're in his family is worse than when we were lost. Because he died for us and then we take advantage of him. It's not right. It's not right. And if we ever want things to change, If we ever actually want to reach people, then things have got to change. You can't expect anything to get better if you're not willing to make practical changes in your life. You can't keep doing the same pattern that you've been doing. I mean, are you guys with me on this or not? Because I know some of you, you're going to walk out of here and you're not going to be with me on it. But you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, if you you desire, earnestly desire for God to be glorified in your life, 
If you desire God to do anything with you, if you desire to do, to do anything for the Lord, period, to give him anything back for what all he's done for you, then you've got to change. You've got to be different. You've got to change things up. You can't just make small tweaks here and there. Because I would say for most of us, major changes need to occur. Major reprioritization has to happen. It has to. Or else you're just going to keep going down the same path you're going down. And it's just going to keep being frustrating over and over and over and over again. And how long is it going to be until God has to finally come in with a bulldozer and just go whack right through your whole life. And then it forces you to change. Because I've been there. It is not comfortable. And if I would have known what my life was going to be like in that moment, I would have gone back and I would have made changes to avoid that. And that's why I feel like I'm standing here today. And I don't know why God is moving my heart to talk about it like this. I have no idea. This was not my intent. This was not my plan. So obviously he had something else completely in mind. So if this is hitting you right where you're at, then perk up and pay attention. Because God doesn't want to come in and destroy you. I think we have this mindset about God where he just is, is going to just either let us go by or whatever, but that, that somehow he's just going to just come in and just wreck everything and ruin everything. Well, he doesn't have to. You know that he's a guy that can come into your life and actually make everything better? Like everything, absolutely everything. If we just listen to him and pay attention to what he has to say, he could actually make everything way better. But instead, when we keep saying no, 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 no. And God's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to come in and just knock everything down. I don't want to do this, but I love you. You're my child. And so what other choice do I have? Because the way you're going, I mean, it's going to result in all these things that you can't even see yet. And I'm not going to let you go there. I love you too much to not let you go there. And so I have to do this. I have to do this. This is like the worst part of parenting. It's the worst part of parenting. I hate ruining my kids' lives. I just do, but I know I have to. I know I have to come in and I have to make them uncomfortable. I have to make them cry. I have to break them. I have to. I don't want to. I have to. And that's what God feels towards us. And it is so much better for us to just yield and say, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I need to do things your way. You do love me. You do care about me. I need to do things your way. And so if we're really going to do this, if the secret place is really going to be a priority, if you're really going to have a real relationship with God that is face-to-face as a man with his friend, and if you're really going to pray according to the will of God, then you have to let God up in your life. You can't live out the rest of the day today Wake up tomorrow, get back into the same routine that you've been doing and expect to be more godly. It's just not going to happen. And that goes for all of us, all of us. It can't happen. If God is in you and you are his, then there is a deep desire in you as I am speaking that you are to be holy and given over to him and to live a life that honors and glorifies God with everything that you have. And you know that it's true. You absolutely know that it's true. And if you don't have that in you, then you are lost. And I feel terrible for you. Or you are so stinking callous that you have forgotten what it's like to serve the God that saved your soul. You've forgotten. You've forgotten what he's done for you. And he's going to have to bring in a wrecking ball. He's going to have to destroy you. And I feel terrible about that. 
I don't want that to happen to you, but it's going to happen. And so just prepare for it. Keep being stubborn. Keep walking the way that you're going. And God's going to come in with a wrecking crew, and it's going to be terrible. And I feel absolutely terrible for you. And I, and I will cry for you. Even as I cry with you if I have the opportunity. Because it is miserable. The best place that you can be is in the center of God's hand. And you're already there. But you're not there. God has you there, but you're not there. And that's the problem. That's the problem. So obviously we have no time to open up the Bible anymore. We are completely out of time. But you need to take these things to heart. And so we're going to close in a little bit of a different way. Because we talked about praying in secret and learning how to pray. And so you just need to take some time right now and pray and talk to God about whatever's going on in your heart and in your life. And I'm going to do the same thing. I'll stick around for a little bit after if you want to talk to me about whatever's going on. But uh, you guys just need to pray. And so spend some time with, in prayer with God, whatever he's laid upon your heart. And don't forget about it. If you need to write it down, you've got those blanks there, those lines that you need to write that stuff down. But just please do it and please be obedient. We need to stop messing around. If we're in this thing, we need to be in this thing, period. End this school year strong. Take advantage of the opportunities you guys have in your sports, with your friends, with musicals, with your classes, whatever. People are lost and they're dying and they're hurting and they need you and you've just not been doing it and you need to do it. We need to do it. So let's go ahead and close and you guys can just pray. And when you're done praying, you're free to leave. If you don't want to pray, you're free to leave now. And then if you want to stick around a little bit, we've got just a little bit of time. It's 10 o'clock. So go ahead and pray.